Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. with us, and uh, I didn't know that even uh, Only King Forever could sound pretty good to the acoustic version, right? Not so bad. So we're going to continue through the Word together this morning. Last week, we are in Genesis chapter 22, and we looked at God testing and proving Abraham's faith, how he uh, spared Abraham's son, Isaac, from being sacrificed. Isaac, again, was the promised son to Abraham and Sarah. He's the one through whom God would bring just an uncountable amount of descendants. And so to give you a little uh, background between last week and this week, if you're, if you're doing your reading, you know where we are. But Isaac continues on with life. Abraham and Sarah both pass away. And he marries this lady named Rebecca, uh, probably his cousin. And we'll may, we may talk about that another day. But they get married, they love each other together. They have two sons, twins, Esau and Jacob. And even though Jacob was second born, it is through Jacob that God would create the nation of Israel. However, for much of his life, Jacob made a lot of mistakes. Jacob stole, Jacob lied, Jacob cheated. He ended up with four wives. He has a brother that wants to kill him. His life is basically a train wreck. It's just a mess. And then we come to Genesis chapter 22. And that's where we're going to be this morning. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. And in this chapter of Jacob's life, with all these years of being a disaster, God intervenes. And he continues his plan for this man in spite of the many mistakes and many failures over the years. And at this point, Jacob is traveling. He is Uh, For the first time in about 20 years, getting ready to meet his brother Esau, who he believes wants to kill him. Jacob, I think, feels like he's reached the end of his rope. And and then probably the next day, he expects his brother to actually end his life and enact vengeance. And so he does what he should do. And he prays to God. And he sends his entire family, he sends all his possessions away from him for the night to try and protect them. All these things that he's worked for his entire life. All the things he's dedicated his life to. And all of that's gone for for now. And Jacob finds himself alone and ready to face the music, whatever that might be. Look at Genesis chapter 32, starting in verse 24. Absolutely one of my most favorite stories in the Old Testament. I love the life of Jacob. The Bible says Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said, it will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? 
and he blessed him there. That's kind of another weird story here in the Old Testament. And there's a lot going on in this passage. So let me give you just a little more context. Somebody said that a, a text without context is a pretext for a proof text. In other words, you can make it say whatever you want it to say if you take it out of context. So at this point in Jacob's life, Jacob literally is a man on the run. And he's been running from his past and from his brother Esau like I said, for some 20 years. And going back in his life, he has stolen Esau's birthright. He's stolen his blessing. And as the older son, Esau stood to inherit more from their father Isaac than Jacob would. And Jacob cheated Esau out of all of that. And he cheated, uh, he lied and cheated his father Isaac out of Esau's blessing. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But Jacob, even throughout his many mistakes, he's met God before. I think he believes in God, has somewhat of a relationship with God. But I don't think Jacob has ever been broken by God. I don't think he's ever been broken because of his own sinfulness. And A.W. Tozer said that it's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. I think we all have to experience this point in our lives where we're actually broken because of who we are. That we're broken over our own sinfulness. And we can experience that brokenness. And it's at that point that God can actually begin to use us the way that he intends. So Jacob, even though he's God's chosen man, even though he is the father of the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel, he spent most of his life cheating and lying and swindling and doing whatever it takes to get what it is he wants out of life. But on this fateful night here in Genesis chapter 32, Jacob has an encounter with God and will not only change his life, but it will change him personally forever. And I think through Jacob's story right here, there's three things we've got to learn this morning. And I want you to write this first one down. This, this is it's impactful if you'll believe this. Ready? My life can change. My life, and I want you to write, my life can change. It's really easy to fall into this thinking trap of believing that your life will never be any different. That it could never be any better. That you will never be any different. You can never be better. You can never do better. That, that the way you are right now, or the circumstances that you find yourself in right now, is just the way that it's always going to be. And that's simply not true. We see in this passage that Jacob was physically changed forever. And the Bible says the Lord struck his hip socket and dislocated his hip. And Jacob would walk away from here physically changed. He would, he would never walk the same because of this experience with God. And I think that he was so desperate at this point in his life. He could see all the messes and the mistakes that he had made. And he knew he was about to meet Esau. And he was afraid and he was disappointed. And because of this brokenness over his sin, I think he was also repent and he, he is God literally gets a hold of him and I like how God uses these stories of physical things that happen to teach us the spiritual truth is God actually gets hold of him he refuses to let God go until he's certain that he can get up from there a changed man forever as he wrestles with God God literally wounds him for us when you when you encounter God when you come to Christ you place your faith in him. You give your life over to him. Listen, there should be some things in your life that change. If there's not, then we really need to sit down and have a, a good, long, hard talk about, 
your encounter with God. Because things should be different. You should walk a little differently. You should talk a little differently. You should look at life differently. Your attitude about things should change. Your thoughts should begin to change. Through God's grace in your life and through the power of the Holy Spirit, those cravings, those desires that you once had should all start to go away as you become more like Christ. And God begins this lifelong process, because for most of us it is a serious process, of radically changing your life and who you are. The Bible says that the Jews stopped eating this part of the animal. And it's all part of this set of rules that gives them boundaries in their lives to keep them from sinning against God. And for us, when you come to Christ, when you start following Jesus, and you just give your whole life to Him and give Him control, then you're going to experience a new set of boundaries in your life just like this, where the Holy Spirit sets up these guardrails. And when you start to get off track, says, hey... Knucklehead, get back on track. Start following the Lord again. I believe that people can change through Christ. Do you believe that? We really need to be on the same page about this one. And I know we don't see a lot of people change the way that we want them to, right? And we want to change them and we try to fix people. Let me tell you something. I I wouldn't be standing here preaching this message to you if I didn't think Jesus could change people's lives. I truly believe that through him, the drunk can put the bottle down and the addict can find recovery and that liars can learn to tell the truth and people that live in fear can find faith and people that, that feel like they don't have any worth can find their worth in who Christ is. Your life can change. But notice the second thing. This is, it gets tough because sometimes our future and who we want to be and and where we think God's taking us, sometimes all of that's clouded from where we've been, from our past. And the second truth we got to understand is my past does not define my future. Now, it certainly helps shape it, doesn't it? All those experiences, all those successes, all those failures, it all helps shape who you are today. And really, apart from your past, you, you wouldn't be who you are today. But that doesn't have to define who you will be in Christ. Sometimes we believe that we can't be the kind of spouse that we want to be. Or we can't be the kind of parent that we need to be. Or we can't minister to the needs of others the way that we want to because of something that we've done or something that's happened to us. And and, and instead of just, just becoming the person that God designed and I think desires us to be. So thankfully, God wants to redeem even those parts of our stories, those parts that we're not proud of, those parts that are hard to think about and hard to process. And and we sometimes don't even want anybody else to know about it. But God can take even those parts of us and who we are and turn it into something great and use it. Notice in this story that Jacob, he asked for a blessing. And it's weird to me when when you first read this, you're like, "Why why does he ask for a blessing? And instead of just blessing him, God asks him a question. He says, well, well, what's your name? I think all this goes back to his past, to uh, probably some 20 years earlier in Jacob's life. For just a moment, flip back to Genesis 27, if you would. We'll have it on the screen as well. But in Genesis 27, Isaac, Jacob and Esau's father, he's getting old. He doesn't see very well. He's approaching the end of his life. And it was customary for the father to bless the oldest son before he dies. And in this blessing, the blessing makes the birthright binding. That's why the father would wait till the end of his life to make sure he was blessing the right son. 
And so Rebekah hears Isaac tell Esau to go hunt him some good food and make him something good to eat, and he's going to bless him before he dies. And so Rebekah, the mom, goes to Jacob, her favorite son, and says, listen, go get a goat, I'll fix it, and you pretend to be Esau and get your father's blessing. This is a very dysfunctional family. You understand that, right? Now look at Genesis 27. Verse 14 says, So he, Jacob, went and got the goats and brought them to his mother, and his mother made the delicious food that his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of her older son Esau, which were in the house, and had her younger son Jacob wear them. She put the skins of the young goats on his hands and the smooth part of his neck. Then she handed the delicious food and the bread she had, to, she had made to her son Jacob. When he came to his father, he said, My father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, Well, how did you ever find it so quickly, my son? He replied, Because the Lord your God made it happen for me. And then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come closer so I can touch you, my son. Are you really my son Esau or not? And so Jacob came closer to his father Isaac. And when he touched him, he said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. And again he asked, Are you really my son Esau? And he replied, I am. First of all, the most pressing question, the one that keeps me up at night from this story, is just how hairy was Esau? <laughs> it bothers me. Anyway, twice Jacob says, I am Esau. And he gets the blessing from his father Isaac that he thinks that he wants. How many have been to a point in life where you've worked so hard to try and get what you think you want, what you think you need, and it turns out to be the biggest curse that you've ever chased down in your life? Jacob gets this blessing from his father, but it costs him deeply. He has to leave his family and literally run for his life from his brother Esau. He'll never see his mother Rebekah that he loved dearly alive again in his life. And, and, and this moment of deceit brings him to this encounter with God 20 years later in his life. And here, he, at this point, now he has a hold of God. He, and his world, and all this stuff, it's just crashing all around him. These messes that he's made. And he's got the Almighty in his hands, face to face with him. And he refuses to let him go until God blesses him. I think with the true blessing, he realized that he needed all along. Not something you can cheat somebody out of. Not something you can put a price on, but something that comes from God himself. And God simply replies, wait a minute, big boy. What's your name? Who are you? See, God knew Jacob's name. God knew exactly who Jacob was, but God needed to make sure that Jacob was ready to admit who Jacob was. And all throughout Scripture, God uses these little questions uh, to get our attention. You know, remember all the way back in the garden, we talked about Adam and Eve sinning against God. And we see Adam hiding from God. And God comes into the garden to walk with Adam. And God knew where Adam was. And he says, hey, Adam, where are you? 
God knew where Adam was, but God needed to make sure that Adam knew where he was and finally admitted. There's a similar story in the New Testament that I love when Christ is carried away to the house of Caiaphas to be tried and to be questioned. And Peter follows along and he's kind of following at a distance. And three times Peter gets asked about following Jesus and three times he denies that he ever even knew Jesus. And then after the death and resurrection of Christ, Jesus comes back to Peter and, and does he condemn him? Does, well, no, he, he asks him three simple questions, right? He says, Peter, you love me. Do you love me? Do you really love me? And what happens is when God does this, it, it breaks us. It broke Adam, it broke Peter, and here it broke Jacob. And Jacob finally says something truthful for a change. He says, God, I'm Jacob. I, I, I'm Jacob, the deceiver. His name literally means deceiver or trickster. I'm not Esau. I'm not something that I've been pretending to be all these years. I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm just a sinner. I've lied. I've cheated. I've stolen. God, look, I'm a mess here all alone at the end of my life. Just call me Jacob. And having reached this broken point, I think Jacob's finally ready to overcome his past and move forward in God's grace. That's where we have to come to in our lives as well. Jacob came to this place fearful and anxious and worried. But after this, he gets up confident, not in Jacob anymore, but in God. And he's ready to face whatever tomorrow may bring. And when you encounter God like this, and you see yourself, and not just see yourself, but you admit what you see. Remember the, the mirror when we started out going through the Bible? and It was just a broken, shattered mess. When, when you look at that and you say, okay, God, here it is. This is my life. I've made this mess. This is what I am. And God takes that and he takes our brokenness and your, our past and, and all of this garbage and he redeems all of it. And I think it's at that point when we've come to the rock bottom and our, our brokenness over our sin that that God can, for the first time in our lives, give us everything that we've been looking for. The peace, the hope, the joy. The last thing we've got to understand is, not only does that stuff not define us, but Jesus defines us. We have a new identity. And that's our final point, is my identity is found in, in Jesus. Jacob says, I'm Jacob. And sometimes we've got to admit to God, yeah, I'm, I'm Jacob, but I'm no longer Jacob. He's only Jacob for a moment in his life, and he, and he admits who he really is. Notice what God says. He says, your name will no longer be Jacob. It will be Israel. He says, Jacob, I'm giving you a brand new identity. You're not going to walk the same after this. You're not going to feel the same or act the same. But even more than all of that, I'm giving you a brand new name. And I think so many years separated from this, we forget, we don't understand and grasp just how important that new name actually is. He said, you don't have to be called Jacob anymore. You don't have to be known as the liar or the cheater or the deceiver anymore. Are you glad that when you come to Jesus, all those things that you were known as just kind of go away? You don't have to be known as those things anymore. You just come as you are, and God gives you a brand new identity in Christ. You don't have to be called a sinner anymore. 
You don't have to be called a liar or a cheater or whatever it was that you were. You don't have to be called worthless or insignificant anymore. The Bible says, because of Christ, going back to Ephesians chapter 1, that you can take all that stuff and put that aside. Now the Bible says you're called blessed and chosen and adopted and redeemed and sealed and saved, all because of what Christ did for you 2,000 years ago. Jacob encountered God, and he becomes the father of all Israel, one of the most respected people in the Bible. God changed him in a moment. And I think the lesson for us is that we can have a similar experience. Now, you're not going to become the father or mother of Israel. That's already done. But listen, God can take you in your mess. You may be at this point in life where Jacob was, where everything's just crashing all around you. You've tried to do it your way. Maybe you've tried to do it your way for a very long time and your way just isn't working and maybe it's time to do it God's way. When you come to that point, and I think the key here is to wrestle with God, not like Jacob did, but to wrestle with Him in prayer, admit who you really are, and get up there a changed person as God begins this process changing you. Because guess what? I can change through Jesus. Stand together as we close in prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for such incredible stories like this. God, there's just such a reminder. One, that you love people that are messed up. And God, if we're honest, we'll admit this morning that we got a lot of problems. God, some of us have been trying to live life a certain way for a long time. Some of us have been trying to just do it our way. God, maybe there's someone here this morning or watching online that, like Jacob, it's all just coming crashing down. Lord, we bring all of that to you today. The hopelessness, the despair, the fear, the anxiety, the guilt. And Lord, we just come as we are and we lay it at your feet. All of our brokenness. And we turn it over to you today, Lord. And we ask that you would begin the healing that we, that we need in our lives, Lord. That you would help us find forgiveness. Help us find the peace that we need. God, we know that you can take even the most messed up, miserable person and give them a purpose. And God, I pray that someone would find that purpose in you and their identity in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. This morning, if you need to come and pray, if you want to come and pray for someone, or if there's a decision that you need to make, why don't you come this morning as we sing this old song, Just As I Am. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.